Hey friends, what you're getting in today's episode is packed full of information. We are talking about trauma and in particularly how trauma affects relationships, whether you're in a committed relationship or a friendship, this is going to be really helpful information in particularly what is trauma? What are the signs of trauma? How do you know if someone's experienced trauma and then how it impacts a relationship And then we get into effective treatments or what to do about that. So this is a heavy duty episode, a lot of really helpful information, a lot of really useful tools to help you recognize the signs of that. So I'm really excited because you are going to walk away with a lot of new knowledge after you hear this episode. So check it out and let's get started. Hi, I'm Regina Boyd, licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed mental health counselor, and your host of the Connecting Out Loud podcast. Here we talk about connections with our families as they relate to our mental health and Catholic faith, all while connecting you with those you love the most. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Let's dive in. Hey guys. Okay, we are going to try this again. The Wi-Fi has been in and out. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties, but if you're still with me, let me know. Give a wave. Hello. Let me know you're here. We're going to try our best to get through this. So I'll give a minute for everybody to get on and we'll see how it goes. Um, So I'm really excited about today's topic. This is going to kind of be a prelude to another topic that I plan on doing later on but I think it's gonna be a really good foundation for a conversation later in the future. And really to start us off, we're gonna be talking about trauma and specifically PTSD and how PTSD can affect a relationship, how it affects our relationship dynamics. So I think it's a really foundational um, thing to discuss because I don't think we realize how much trauma can impact our relationships, can impact the lives around us, um, at least to the, not in the degree that we might always think. So if you're watching live, push one, and if you're watching the replay, push two. Okay, so first let's break down PTSD. What do I mean by that? PTSD is a diagnosable mental disorder that is in the DSM. The DSM is the Diagnostical and Statistical Manual that therapists use for diagnostic codes, and it's a way to evaluate and see if someone meets the certain criteria to receive whatever type of mental health diagnosis they might be experiencing at that time. And PTSD is something that happens when somebody has either been the experienced a traumatic event themselves directly, they've either witnessed a traumatic event happening to someone else, or they might have repeated exposure to something like um, something that's uh, traumatic in nature. For example, if you're a police officer and you're frequently being exposed to situations that involve child abuse, or, you know, um, human remains, something like that, prolonged repeated exposure to something traumatic. So you might not have witnessed the event, you might not have received the event yourself, but repeated exposure to something that is traumatic in nature, that has to be the first criteria for someone to meet the diagnosis for PTSD. 
So experiencing it yourself, witnessing or experiencing something repeatedly that's of a traumatic nature, and then having some symptoms in addition to that. Because of that exposure, there might be symptoms such as having flashbacks, nightmares, irritability, um, could be emotional explosions, could be withdrawal, um, could be uh, disturbance in sleep, variations in mood, um, a real inability to experience joy, to experience joyful moods. So um, any type of happiness or positivity, that's really difficult. And there's usually a persistence in negative emotions such as shame or guilt or fear, very persistent, extreme emotions experienced in all this. So in a nutshell, it's, it's more complicated than that. So there are people who experience traumatic events, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they will develop PTSD. And um, it just sort of depends on the person, the experience, the situation. And again, maybe how many uh, times someone's been exposed to something that's traumatic. Something to keep in mind as we come along. So what does that mean when we think about a relationship? One thing that the DSM uh, points out, which Dr. John Gottman, which those of you who know me well know that I admire him and his wife, Dr. Julie Gottman, both of their work very well. Um, and one of the things Dr. John Gottman mentioned in um, one of the trainings I did uh, with them was that uh, the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual that therapists use for diagno diagnosing people, is that they fail to leave out in the criteria for what meets the standards for someone experiencing PTSD, is that they leave out um, the fact that those relationships, their relationships can be very greatly impacted. There's no discussion about um, the strains on their personal relationships, which is mind boggling because obviously if somebody is having these symptoms that can trickle into their relationships as well. And in my opinion, should be potentially something to consider as part of the criteria. It's one of the signs that we as therapists in general rely on when we're assessing and evaluating someone is how are their relationship dynamics with the people in their lives and what does that mean? What information can that tell us about um, what kind of support they might need in that area? So um, random fun fact. So when we think about this, um, thinking about approaching treatment for PTSD as something that can be treatable within the context of a couple in a relationship or a family or a group, there's not a lot of information out there yet or a lot of um, promotion of information about how PTSD can be treated in that context. We just think that it is um, something that should be treated individually, which there is room for individual work, of course, but not to say that um, someone can't be helped within the context of their relationship as well if that person is trained and knows what they're looking for. And so it's something that um, I think can be really useful and really helpful to people because especially if you're in a committed relationship, a marital relationship, that is going to be the main person that you're going to be relying on for support. If you're experiencing PTSD or some type of symptoms of trauma, your 
beloved is going to be the main person you rely on for support as far as getting you through the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs, the roller coaster of emotions that happens when we are experiencing um, a flashback, a memory, um, or just having a bad day. So how does that interplay with the relationship dynamics? Well, you can imagine um, this can come out in all kinds of ways. So someone who might be exhibiting symptoms that can appear in a way that's very hyper controlling, maybe controlling of ways that aren't, um, that don't really seem to make a lot of sense necessarily. Maybe they're demanding about very trivial things about what type of show they might be watching in the middle of the show, just refuse, you know, I'm not, I'm no longer going to watch the show anymore or very um, odd demands about space in the house and physical affection and things like that. So there can be a hyper-controlling. There can also be um, hypo-controlling in a sense, or just agreeing to everything. So you just sort of get a flat person, flat uh, expression, and it's just more zombie-like, like, yes, whatever you say, dear. They're there, but they're not really there with you. And that could be due to a fear of um, receiving anger from the other person. So it's a way to protect and make sure that they're trying to prevent any type of angry outbursts. But what they don't realize, it's helping, it's getting in the way. It's not um, helping them connect deeper with their partner on a different level. And then obviously the controlling piece could be a way to push someone away inadvertently. And so there's lots of ways this pops up in a relationship and couples can get very overwhelmed and bogged down and kind of feeling bewildered and potentially resentful, confused. They might start the, um, the person in the couple, the person in the relationship who does not experience symptoms might want to focus all their energy on the person with trauma symptoms and saying, you know, you need help, you need to go. And that can only exacerbate the symptoms, make that person feel more singled out. And in reality, when you're in a relationship with someone who um, has trauma, it's like you're both carrying a bucket of ice. You each have your own bucket of ice water. You, that you're, you have one bucket of ice water that you're each holding with one hand, each of you. And uh, I, talk, I took this analogy from the Gottmans also, but um, you're each holding this bucket and as things come along, right, the trauma, the PTSD is represented in this bucket as it can, as things get shaky and become destabilized and frustrating in the relationship, the water can spill and it spills on both of you. And so what's great about working through this together as a couple is that you both can reduce the amount of water. You can pour some water out of the bucket, which means it's less likely to splash on you. If you're both supporting that bucket together in a more stabilized, calm way, more both aware of the bucket you're carrying, it's less likely to spill out onto each of you and therefore not impacting the relationship. And so there's a real importance of getting you together to work on this. And one scary part to this is part of doing this is finding a way to share the story, being able to share that with your beloved in a time. And I say this in the context of therapy, in a way that is safe for the person who's experienced trauma. It doesn't mean you just uh, demand, like now you have to tell me your story and we won't get any better. But this really needs to be done in the context of couples therapy once safety and trust has been established 
And once safety and trust has been established in the relationship, because if there are marital problems happening and there's dynamics in the communication, it's going to be really helpful to have a therapist there to help coach you through those conversations and making sure they're are ways to handle any moments of trigger or symptoms that might pop up from those conversations. So really making sure you get that trained professional in there. And there's lots of different modalities when you think about therapy of how to approach it. Medication is very helpful with PTSD. I know that that's a debatable thing. A lot of people have questions about medication. Should I, shouldn't I, is it helpful? Well, with PTSD, we know that it can be very helpful. And there's lots of different modalities of treatments. Some people have used something called prolonged exposure therapy, and that's proven to be very, 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 very effective. Um, and it's, you know, exposure to things in small doses that are um, fear-inducing or anxiety-inducing, stress-inducing, but on a much smaller scale. So if you take an example of, you know, a spider, if someone has an arachnophobia, a fear of spiders, you know, we want to expose them to this giant tarantula. We might show them a picture of a spider and, you know, just to give them the ability to start building some tolerance to handling that stress. And so in a similar way, prolonged exposure is you're helping someone through telling their story to get exposed and to um, therefore build some tolerance in very safe, measured, measured, measured ways through therapeutic from a trained professional. I just want to keep reminding you with that disclaimer in there. That is so important because um, there's so many things that can happen with trauma. Uh, some of the symptoms that people with trauma and PTSD experience are um, risk for suicide and suicidal ideation. And so I really want to caution that working with a trained professional is going to be so, so valuable and so important for that. And um, of course, EMDR is a very popular and well-known uh, method for treating trauma as well and has uh, some effectiveness as well. But believe it or not, prolonged exposure um, through the research is something that shows to be um, even more effective rate-wise. So fun fact for the day. Um, so really just thinking about as we begin, you know, this conversation on trauma and relationships, what I really hope that you learn from this is the importance and the value of the two of you as a couple, knowing that you can support one another through this, that you can get help and support, and just being willing to be there for your beloved, even if they're not ready to share, even if they might have some emotional ups and downs, but knowing that if the two of you are committed and if the two of you are wanting to be there for one another and support, then you can make this work and you can carry that, that ice bucket and have nothing spill out, have it be perfectly balanced and managed for all of you. So just to let you know that there is hope in this process and you don't have to be alone in this. And that's the message that I want to give is that the two of you can rely on each other and be dependent on one another throughout this healing process. Um, so I hope you find that helpful. Thanks so much for listening and uh, let me know what you think in the comments. I'll talk to you next time. If you have enjoyed this episode, you can find more Connecting Out Loud content on our Facebook and Instagram pages. As always, I appreciate each and every review. So if you can take some time to rate and review this show, I read each one and I love hearing from you. Be intentional and connect out loud. Connect out loud.